Hello, and welcome to the Spectator PM podcast. I'm Luther, and joined as always by Aubrey. Aubrey, how are you doing? Doing well, just finishing up the week as usual, and grateful that it's almost the weekend. It's felt very long. Yeah, after last week's gala, I don't know what happened this week, but I just got hit by a frying pan of, um, well, I don't even know what, of some sort of combination of tired and just trying to hang on to everything going on in the news, which we'll try to get to. Uh, but good mercy, it seems like we have a week's worth of news uh, every day this week. And as a writer, you only have so many hours where you can research and know enough about a subject to write on it. Uh, and I give a lot of credit to Aubrey, who's been really taking point on that effort this week. Um, Aubrey, what have you been writing? What have you been up to? I've been writing a few different pieces. Earlier this week, I wrote about um, Daily Wire's newest uh, platform for kids. They kind of took DW Kids, which was the program that they launched last year to provide kids entertainment and turned it into Bent Key, which seems to be an entirely separate thing. Uh, Jeremy Boring in his launch video specifically said he didn't want it to be tied to Daily Wire, as, at least in like marketing name kind of stuff, because Daily Wire is just simply too political, he believes. He's trying to make something a bit bigger, I guess. But he's also trying to like, I don't know, own Disney, own the libs in at Disney. And so there's a lot of like, they're, they're creating a Snow White remake now starring Brett Cooper, which is Ben Shapiro's female lookalike. <laughs> although she is her own separate person. <laughs> um, although she, I will say like, it, to her credit, like she fits the like fairy tale description of Snow White. Like she's got the black hair, and oh, know. that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you were thinking of casting, and you see the description, and you look across the office, and are like, "Well, <laughs> well, look at that. We've got the we've got the woman right here. It can't be easy." And I think she has. Yeah, I think she has a fair amount of acting experience. I know she's also there. They've been in the midst of filming their Pendragon series in Hungary. And she's also, I think she has a role there as well. So like she's been doing a fair amount of acting with them already. Mm -hmm. um, but she really is more known as like a political commentator on YouTube, uh, which is how she got started. Um, but yeah, it's kind of an interesting um, the interesting thing, I feel like conservatives, especially conservatives in media, have this trap that they tend to fall into where they try to create something that's kind of, you know, that, that's like the conservative version of whatever the libs are doing. And mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's a theory going around, right? Like the, the problem with our culture is that it's a stagnant culture. And I think that if we're just like recreating what the libs are creating, like we're recreating Snow White because there's this liberal version that Disney's proposing of Snow White. Um, we're not actually like pushing the culture forward. We're not actually creating something. We're like just copycatting, but it's not woke this time and openly not woke. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the effort is probably most forgivable if this sort of 
dunk on Disney or attempt to eat Disney's lunch gets, you know, five, 10 million people on the service, which they can then use to turn to uh, investors and say, hey, look, it works. Now, could we have money for all these new projects, new ideas uh, that they couldn't with 500,000 or a million uh, subscribers? Uh, at face value, it seems like a bad industry to be getting into. Uh, entertainment, is, there's nothing guaranteed in it. However, with so many of the big players, Netflix, um, Discovery, slash HBO, uh, even Amazon Prime TV, kind of pulling back on what they plan to do uh, as the sort of interest-free money has evaporated and they've realized that they were losing millions and billions of dollars, there may be a place for... Uh, bent key daily wire uh, to really make some moves because no one else is investing and daily wire i don't believe has to deal with as much of the union nonsense that a lot of these larger um, platforms do so if they can be bent key can be this sort of free market alternative to to the major players I think that'd be incredible, but there's a reason we don't see a lot of new people in that industry. It's kind of like uh, making cars. <laughs> there's just a lot of institutional knowledge and dependency on connections that you often need uh, to make it in Hollywood. But I guess we, oh, and I... sorry. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna say, I, I think like Jeremy Boring and the crew there has a background in Hollywood. Like that's where mm -hmm. they started. Andrew was a screenwriter um, and Michael Knowles did some acting as well. And so like, it's not like they're coming at it totally blind. I think that there's the potential for it to, to be a really great thing. Like they could actually start creating art and pushing the culture forward in a meaningful way. I think they should take a lesson from like the past failures of conservative entertainment though, and make sure that they're not just redoing Disney, which seems like what they're doing now, but maybe you're right. Maybe they're just waiting to get enough subscribers so then that they can push forward in a different direction, which would be great. Um, I hope that's the direction they're going. It's not where they're headed immediately. Like even their kids shows that are on there. And a lot of them just seem like conservative versions of kids shows um, I actually saw an article from, shoot, I don't remember where it was like the Hollywood reporter or something where one of the, an author was talking, comparing one of the kids shows to like the popular, like bluey cartoons. It was like, this is really just a ripoff of that. Like you're probably making a fair point. Like, yeah, bluey, but with conservative values, which is great. But at the same time, like you like at one point those were new forms of art and maybe we should be also trying to <laughs> right so i on. hope it's just proving the model and that eventually this is my hope of hopes that veggie tales or something like veggie tales because I, I the show's sort of a meme at this point but it's a meme for a reason because veggie tales in the 
realm of uh, Christian children uh, children's media was revolutionary. It was amazing. It was actually funny. <laughs> it wasn't trying to copy what was out there. It took a ridiculous premise that works in kids' minds. Oh, vegetables acting as Bible characters and, you know, knocking down the walls of Jericho uh, that are throwing slushies at the Israelites, as one does. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. See, yeah, I, I, I think as you do, Aubrey, I wish them the best. And I hope that this is a launching point for new, new forms of um, entertainment, um, new properties that stick around for years to come and have everlasting value. Uh, yeah. Well, and if we could recreate the old Veggie Tales, that would be great. All the new stuff is not as good. Garbage. Although I've been helping homeschool uh, a friend's kids. There's like a bunch of these cousins and probably like 12 of them. They're awesome. So I've been teaching them like history. And so we're walking through ancient history and everything goes back to Veggie Tales. Like literally everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, there's a Veggie Tales movie about that. Okay. <laughs> And then they're starting to like explain the Bible story in VeggieTales terms. And I'm like, I don't, yeah. You're, we'll get you're, there. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not historically accurate, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we're also thinking about uh, the Jim Jordan situation in... Uh, in the house and what do you think about his his attempt to make it do you think he's a good pick do you think his chances are is he a viable candidate uh coming from the ohio region could you tell us a little bit about jim jordan what he's what he's got going on um, yeah so he has been he has currently um failed to gain a majority in the house twice in voting uh, he's been short the first time he was short 20 votes the second time he was short 21 votes um he's actually a representative of um, the urbana area of ohio which is approximately 45 minutes from where i am right now i have a lot of friends who live there um he's one of the members of the Freedom Caucus. So he's very conservative. If he got the speakership, that would be, I mean, I think I saw somewhere it would be like the first like true conservative to like be there in like 80 years. So it'd be a big deal. Um, that being said, it's probably unlikely. I think what's more unlikely or what's more likely at this point is that they are going to um, empower the speaker pro temp which is um, Patrick McHenry, and to, to deal with the issues that the House of Representatives has to deal with. Um, all funding bills have to come from the House. So they haven't been able to do any funding, which as Dan Flynn continually has been pointing out, has been great for fiscal conservatism. Um, I think that, uh, like, as much as I like fiscal conservatism and the idea, I'd I really would wish it was like more of like a like part of the process and not like, oh, the government doesn't work. So we get fiscal conservatism. Like, no, <laughs> like, I'd love to be part of the government working. <laughs> like the goal is. Um, and, but at the same time, yeah, I, it's been a whole kerfuffle 
And I think actually the American people in general tend to be really exhausted with it. Like apparently, um, you know, representatives are getting calls from their constituents. Like, can you just elect Jordan and get it over with? Like, please, <laughs> we're done. <laughs> um, well, especially but, when there are so many serious things happening in the world, we need a functioning Congress. Um, because people can act like idiots and I'm applying this to either party at any time as much as you want until stuff gets real. And then it's like, we need, we need funding for Israel. Why do we need funding for Israel? Because it's our ally in the Middle East. We have all sorts of historical, cultural, religious connections to that country. And it's also just a good thing to do. Uh, not to mention a lot of medical infrastructure and technology comes out of Israel. Like if you're just going to put it selfishly, we, we want Israel to exist because they provide a lot of stuff we like to have. And so for all these reasons, having a house that functions <laughs> is necessary. And the point of the house is to harbor uh, fools and rogues, and we've seen examples of this. Uh, that's why there is a separation between the House and the Senate. They're supposed to function differently, uh, where the House is a holding pen uh, for all sorts of insanity. Uh, but also we allow them to take the first pass at things because they're most answerable to the voter. Uh, and so we have that balance between the House and the Senate, uh, who are a little more distant and have time to review things more in depth, is the idea. Anyway, uh, I, I do need to get running uh, to a meeting, though. So, Aubrey, could you uh, give us your pick for the week? What should uh, people be reading on the site? I think, um, well, yeah, I think my favorite piece so far as especially today was um, melissa's stumbling into warworld 3 and i mean she's pretty much making the argument that like a lot of people in the government are making a lot of mis mistakes we're funding both sides of two wars um that seems rather stupid um and we seem to be heading towards something like warworld 3 i think i mean Personally, I, I honestly don't think that everything will end up in World War Three. I mean, I'm, maybe I'll eat my words. It's possible anything could happen. But at the same time, like I tend to believe that the least or the most mediocre thing will happen, the least exciting. Um, World War Three being the most exciting, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure World War Three won't happen. <laughs> um, All right. Not that I want anything else <laughs> or want it, but yeah. Well. If you are proven incorrect, I will travel across the country among the rubble and <laughs> the scorched earth and will say, you were wrong, Aubrey. And then probably you know, between us, so. die to atomic exposure or something. If you've never read The Road by Cormac McCarthy, highly recommend it. Uh, in this post-apocalyptic world, it's like the it's the best example that post-apocalyptic fiction can be high high literature but anyway that's that's me being an english nerd uh the piece i really liked was the new york times reputation was never earned uh by uh klotzkin uh, where he's saying that 
the New York Times reputation as the paper of record uh, is sort of an absurd claim because it's always been a left-wing rag. That's something I wrote on about Wednesday where the New York Times was more than happy to swallow whole uh, Hamas claim that uh, 500 Palestinians were killed after an Israeli rocket hit a, a hospital. Come to find out that it was a misfire coming from the Gaza Strip from a terrorist organization that then fell short into the parking lot of the hospital and had <laughs> many fewer casualties. And of course, none of this was Israel's fault in any way, but American media, Western media was more than happy to parrot uh, Hamas's claims, which I, I don't know where the editors were. That's always the thing. Writers can be fools because writers have to write something every day. And sometimes rush gets the better of you. But the editors at the New York Times are thought of as the best of the best. And they allowed a really, not even a partisan take. They just repeated what terrorists said. And uh, people should be made aware of that. Uh, but in the meantime, millions of people heard that Israel sent a rocket into a hospital and killed 500 people, even though it was a lie. And I don't know how you can repair that sort of damage. Well, um, and it had devastating consequences across the world, right? Like in the Middle East, there are, there were riots outside of Israeli and American embassies um, and like outside in Turkey and um, in other Arab countries. And in, I mean, in the United States, um, Rashid Tlaib, or Rashida Tlaib, I can say her name, I promise, um, used it as a way of like um, instigating a bunch of protesters outside the Capitol who eventually ended up illegally sitting in a Capitol rotunda in the Cannon building, um, which by the way is apparently not a insurrection. <laughs> um, but- <laughs> a, a malleable definition that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Anyway, <laughs> but like, it, it has turned out to be a really harmful lie, especially when people around the world feel very deeply about the Israel, the war in Israel right now, and are willing to protest and even in some cases commit, you know, violence over it and their opinions of it. It has right. very real consequences. Right. And it wasn't just New York Times. I think it was like CNN as well. Yeah, BBC, NPR, whole whole bunch of them, to some extent or another, uh, ran with that headline before doing any sort of serious investigation. Uh, I don't know. If I heard from a terrorist, if he called me up and was like, here's what happened, I would have questions. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I have to run. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast, uh, uh, the Spectator PM podcast. Uh, we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.